We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us for this episode is David Charton. We're going to talk about demystifying mental toughness. David is the owner of Inspiring Sporting Excellence. He is a HCPC in sports and exercise physiologist. He's doing some great, great work in this area. Please check them out, sports-excellence.co.uk. Demystifying mental toughness. This is part two of the interview that we did in December, part one is David interviewing me from a coach's viewpoint. That interview is available on David's podcast with the link in the podcast notes if you want to listen to that. A huge thank you to all the coaches who attended the recent Modern Soccer Coach Virtual High School Coaches Conference on January 8th. We had a brilliant day, 12 presenters throughout the day, different topics, sports science, tactical analysis, positional training, halftime, leadership, management. We went through it all. If you missed it, you can get on-demand access and all the replays now available, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. You can also get a copy of our new positional training book for forwards, new ebook that's now out. And also stay tuned for the new Modern Soccer Coach book that is out later this month. Really, really excited about that. Two years in the making. I've been working on it for quite a while. New Modern Soccer Coach book out this month. ModernSoccerCoach.com slash shop. If you want to support us, that would be fantastic. We've got a couple of great podcasts on the way as well. Thanks so much for all the support. Here is David. Enjoy. David, thanks so much for joining us on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Uh, part two of our chat. So I'd say excited to have you on, but you've just had me on. so Yeah, no, likewise. Thanks for inviting me onto the show. Really looking forward to it. And yeah, again, I enjoyed our conversation on my show as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, we're going to have make sure that the coaches can go in and kind of hear the starting point. Uh, it's almost like a a coach's chat where you've asked me a few questions and I kind of want to ask you from a, a perspective of just before we start recording there was like demystifying mental toughness um something that I, I think as coaches we're getting a bit more educated I hope so we're getting a bit more education around this side uh, be it from social media or just the coaching community or coaching courses where do we get it wrong as coaches particularly with say youth level uh where do we get it wrong with either the messaging or the coaching of this mental toughness right okay so well firstly let's go with well what what is mental toughness um to to me it's basically how you cope with pressure and you know setbacks obstacles and not being derailed by by those um so that you know you're, you're performing at a consistently high level be it in training, be it in matches. Firstly, so that there's the, the the definition, if you like. And if you look at research, I think the, the research across sport, business, health will say that mental toughness accounts for up to 
25% variation in performance. So it's, it is a lot. And for some people, it'll, it'll mean more and improve to improve their performance. If you, if you can develop the quality for some, not, not so much because they'll be pretty mentally tough anyway. Um, as far as the demystifying bit goes and what it's, what it's not, um, firstly, you know, it's not about just gritting, getting your head down, going for it. Um, it's not a macho, like a male macho trait. You know, there's plenty of women out there who are mentally tough. Um, another big one, mental weakness, that, that word I just dislike, do not like it. You know, mental weakness is not the opposite of mental toughness. Um, and I, th I think as well to add to it is, you know, resilience and mental toughness are often used hand in hand, but actually, you know, resilience is more about bouncing back potentially in a match situation. If the game's not going your way, way or bouncing back if your team's out of form, whereas mental toughness is more of a, a longer term sort of proactive trait. And I think certainly with my work, Professor Peter Clough's four C's model typifies it and shows how how complex it is really. So there's a there's a starting point. I'm always thinking as coaches, where do we use it? And I suppose collectively we use it as well, if we go a goal down or if we concede late or if we concede just before half time, you know, we weren't mentally tough enough to get through when you're when you're working with coaches what is the starting point we're, we're developing a mentally tough group of players good question that is what, what's the starting point I, su I suppose really what, what you, you're looking at doing is ideally you would you would measure the the mental toughness individually and then collectively of the group and you've got on a continuum you've really you've got mental sensitivity at the the far side and mental toughness on the the where you want to get people to um and you know there's i mentioned four c's so you've got the commitment there so for argument's sake you know your, your team's your team's two nil down at half time you know do the players have that desire that commitment to you know to push through in in you know in tough times like that um you know, are they? Do they have? The, do they set themselves the right sort of goals as well? I would say over the longer longer term in training, are they are they distracted? Then, if we look at obviously confidence is a is a massive thing. How many times do you hear, um, you know, a, a certain player is a, is a confidence player? Well, actually, you know, the, you've got two two aspects to it. You've got the confidence in their ability to perform a skill. Um, and you've got interpersonal confidence as well. And we, we touched on it with my podcast, how it, it's such a social game, being able to assert yourself, deal with criticism and things like that, come into it. Um, what else have I got? Uh, the, the, the sort of challenge angle, which is, you know, do, do players actually take risks? Are they, are they playing it too safe in, in difficult situations or, or just in general? Because let's, let's be honest, when the stakes are high, or even just pressures in youth youth soccer that that can happen. Are players able to learn from the mistakes, or do they just 
you know, to keep on making the same mistakes time and time again. Um, and last but not least is the, the control element to it, where you've got the emotional control, you know, the, the players, um, the heads go down when, when, when something goes wrong. Um, that they, on, the, on the flip side to that, I would actually say, you know, do you have players who, who are able to have a, put a game face on throughout? And, and then you've got the, the life, life control, which is all about really, you know, do they have a positive can-do attitude in, dif in different situations or not? And you'll find with all of those different elements that people will sit in different places and you as a coach will do as well. Um, so, so yeah, I think you, you probably where, where, you know, where you start, that's a bit of an explanation of what it's all about. Where you would start, you would, you would measure that for the, for the team individually and as a group. You would also measure it for yourself as well. So you, you actually know where you sit and because let's, let's be honest, nobody's perfect. Not one coach is perfect out there. And I think that, that that's important for the coach to understand where they are. And then they can sort of relate that to different situations with the players. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like I, I I'm just finishing a, a book on, on just reflections from podcast guests over the last few years and where my head's gone in relation to like how that's impacted or influenced me. And, Part of what I was because I'm reading it now before I and doing the edits. Part of what I was reading recently was that we're having to teach now. We're having to teach the mental skills, whereas they were probably there in our generation. There was more resilience from, you know, the way we were spoken to by youth coaches. And I remember getting screamed at by by coaches uh, as at a young age. And and now I, I guess what I'm asking is if. A player hasn't been exposed to to mental skills and that little bit of resilience. How do you, as a as a youth coach, teach it and balance it without, you know, going a little bit too far? Or ultimately, like we talked about before, they're going too easy. Where training's like just fun and games. How do you get that right? Obviously, it's it's a tricky one because of the, the the time factor. Um. So yeah, firstly, I suppose yeah, you're gonna have to look at the yeah, the individual's levels and ultimately it's bringing it out in them through quality questions to back away from being that tell, tell, tell coach when you've got opportunities is trying to gauge their thoughts, asking them, um, you know, an, an example, I suppose I've, I've seen would be from a, what a team who are potentially you know, struggling to score goals. Um, and yes, the, go the goals are coming from what, two players, pretty much that that's about it. Um, and, you know, in a, in a training session, as opposed to standing there and telling the players what we're going to be doing all of the time, we actually standing there and informally bringing this type of what psychology into it, where you're asking them, well, you know, you would your best what type of runs would you make um if you're really energized you know again how much effort are you going to put into a, a, a certain run or run down the wing or, or, or whatever it is or how much effort are you going to put into pressing and really like i said just trying to tease things as opposed to just tell 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 yeah that's that's really interesting because you don't associate mental toughness with discussions 
you know, and is, is that where, again, you, you talked about identifying yourself as a coach, probably removing like our experiences of mental toughness and, and trying to get that out of the question. Because I think if you, if you asked 100 40-year-old coaches, 30-year-old coaches, what mental tough, they would probably say that it's, you need to physically push, you need to do all the things that you said not to do. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Because, well, let's be honest, if, you, if you're watching a, a team, and I'm a, I'm a football fan, have been for too many years, um, if you're, if, you're, if you're watching the players and they're not performing, the first thing that you're thinking is you need to show more effort. Mm. But, but actually, there's, there's more to it than that. There's, they might be focused on the, on the wrong things. They're, they might be stressed from the, yeah, we're talking youth soccer here, from um, schoolwork, something going on at home. Um, they, they might just be tired. There, there might be a whole range of factors. Um, I'm going to take you back to a, a, a situation which I think is pretty common in in uh, youth soccer. So egos, people are more, as they're younger, they're, they're more like ego focused. So they're more worried about what people think, um, be that worried about their parents, coaches, teammates. So, so yeah, so supposing you've got a, a couple of maybe bad apples in that team who are dragging some of the other team members down by criticizing their, their every move. Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you pull them out of that? It's not just by getting your head down and working harder. It's actually by trying to explain to them and have conversations about, well, actually, you know, what, what's within your control here? Um, other people's voices, other people's body language, um, the way they communicate, you know, you, you can't impact on that. So you've got to then educate them on well, what you can actually control is you know, how you respond to them, you know, your, your tone of your voice, what you say to them, your, your body language. Um, and again, it's all about knowing the individual and, and how that works. But, but yeah, in a sense, that is just one small element to, to how you would go about that type of situation. What I've, I've been fascinated by, and I'm sure you've seen as well, like in this, it's almost like a culture now where it's the guests in the studio, the Gary Nevilles, the Carragers, the Roy Keens. And I watch more of that now for a bit of entertainment than I do the matches sometimes. And it's almost like these guys are so not out of touch, but they're so in disbelief that, that, that people think differently today. And all the discussions almost every week are around ah, there's not enough leadership. Do you, do you sit there and watch that and be like, what are we, it's almost like a reality TV, you know? It, no, I completely agree. I, yeah, <laughs> I was like like you watching YouTube last night and sure enough, Carragher and um, Roy Keane were each other's throats about Ronaldo and, uh, you know, why he's playing for Man United. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the reality is in every dressing room in I was going to say in the country, but across the world, you're going to have some players who are more assertive, some players who are quieter and less sociable creatures. Um, you're going to have players who can deal better with criticism. Those are more sensitive. And again, it's playing to their strengths. It's finding out who those people are, those individuals, and then trying to 
to, to help them. Um, and if, and I think this is where, you know, they could, a lot more could be done in, in youth soccer um, and well, youth football in, in this country where, you know, communication skills, interpersonal skills are such a massive part of the game. And there's so many kids out there who, who struggle with it and they, they don't, they don't need to be told that you must talk more. They need to actually be shown, well, how to do it and the types of things that they need to be saying and, and you know, a, a much more gentle approach, if you like. Hello, coaches. We'll just take a quick break here. Thank you so much for all your support on all the Modern Soccer Coach platforms. Uh, we're trying to get more podcasts out there. We've spent probably the last six months trying to get more content on our website, modernsoccercoach.com, tactical analysis, training sessions, articles, and then also our YouTube page as well. Uh, if you go into YouTube, just put in Gary Kernin and you'll get as much content as we can put out there. So please subscribe to the YouTube page. Please visit the website. If you enjoy the content, please help us share it. And also if you want to support us, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. We've got a lot of books, webinars, webinar packages, the lockdown series that we did from 2020, and then also the recent high school webinar virtual conference that we did. All the replays are available there as well. We've got a new positional ebook out on forwards, and then we've also got Modern Soccer Coach Detail, the book we've been we've been making for a couple of years. That is coming out later this month. So thanks for all your support. Please check out the resources. And thanks again. Yeah, just on that, I've um, I've just finished a book, Dream Factory, from from Ryan Baldy. Very good. So, it's, and he's basically asked, or he's not asking, he's challenging um, whether you know these the, the infrastructures of clubs like the E Triple P has been so beneficial in terms of putting frameworks and getting a bit more professionalism and structure around our coaching, but then really like, is the psychology really impacting? And I never had Paul McVeigh on, on the podcast before. And, um, and Paul is just, and he's, he's worked in academy. He's obviously played and he's saying that we're not doing any psychology. What's your thoughts on, on where the game is at the minute at the youth level at that, that elite level? It, it worries me if I'm honest. Um, I've got, I've got two young kids. Uh, what six-year-old is the the oldest one and I've got to say ask myself the question at the moment if he was to get into football and be good enough to to potentially play for in a football academy would I want him involved in one um I've I've got to question it because I've had quite a few quite a few difficult conversations with parents about this sort of thing where it and well and coaches I suppose for that matter where it is in effect, seen as a bit of a tick box exercise, the the psychology element. Um, I could get on a bit of a rant about this. I've got to be, yeah, <laughs> have to be a little bit careful. <laughs> so, uh, so well, yeah. Here's here's one for starters. So, in order to to qualify as a sports psychologist, um, for me, it took seven years worth of training, and I would exp in if I if I totted all the numbers up that would probably come to not far off about 60, 70 grand's worth of, um, of money in order to, to get that. However, in a lot of these academies, the 
the role of the sports psych will be, you know, someone who's potentially still a student um, and they'll, you know, they'll be paying them peanuts. Um, so that to me sort of says, says a lot about it that yeah, you, you haven't necessarily, you haven't got the expert in, in that, um, you know, in that job. Um, you know, would you, would a, would a Premier League club um, bring a bring a manager in from a non-league club and and pay them two hundred quid a week or what have you to, to manage their team? No, they wouldn't. They would go for the top top person. So I think the the value of sports psychology in that respect needs to be looked at. Um, but for starters, and and also, I think one thing I'd question as well is maybe some of this processes in place. So I don't know as it. You, you, you can maybe answer this one better than me, but as a football coach, I would imagine a lot of the joy is actually getting out on the pitch and doing the coaching. And yeah, I understand that, you know, paperwork is, a, is needed, um, but often I've had so many conversations with children and parents where they've had a, like a, a report back and either the report is just... It, you know a few lines has very little detail or in some cases the report is hasn't really been the, the true player um so yeah my question there is you know is the coach just ticking a box there or like oh you know i've got what 20 players in this squad i'm you know but at the end of a session i'm probably tired like, i really can't be bothered to to do this but i think what they have to remember is there's a player at the other side of that who reads it and parent reads it, they get emotionally involved by it and that confidence often takes a knock. So they end up picking up the phone to me. So I suppose, yeah, thanks for the, for the work, but you know, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. A lot of what Ryan's not a lot, but he's almost a chapter towards releasing like the releasing process of the Academy and how these players are. And, you know, talk about mental toughness and, the resilience required to be work as a youth player at a Premier League club released at 14, 15, 16, bounce out of that league or so bounce out of that club and then like think that if, if I'm at Chelsea, I'll just go to West Ham or you know the next one down. But in reality, you're going from this, everyone else has their teams, you're dropping down to sometimes lower league, non-league, um, and there's no infrastructure around the communication of like checking in. And I know now that there's been a couple of cases where there's been suicides. There's been, there's been awful things that are happening to these, these kids that are uh, what, if you were, if you were hired today by a premier league club to say, get our, get our met, like our psych processes better around um, say a weekly monthly, like what, what are some things that, that you would, that you would suggest in, in the weeks and the and the months and the seasons, like in terms of meetings or in terms of structures? Right. Well, I suppose two points that link to what you, you mentioned there about you know challenges and problems. And one thing I'd be trying to identify would be with the parents, would be, you know, where are the parents' motivations? Where where does that lie? Um, because as somebody who's on the outside, not not working actively in, a, in an academy, um, one of the first things I'll do if I get approached by a parent to work with a child 
will be to to understand why their their child plays football and I've got a little checklist basically I get them to answer and the amount of times that I've had on that list um, ticked as one of the most important factors is because I want my child to earn money um, and when I see that and read it I, I, I cringe um, but then I need to have a conversation about uh, with them about that um, so I think you know that for what for me is one important one and then those conversations need to take place with with the parents and I know I suppose I, I know they do really I mean the, that would be being unfair a lot of coaches do regularly get messages out to to parents that you know what there's only one percent of players actually make it professionally but um I suppose that has to be a consistent dialogue and consistent message uh, uh, along the way um so that's just one one I suppose instance there the second thing is and I don't think a lot of clubs well some people might correct me if I'm correct me yeah but I don't think a lot of clubs actually talk too much about the 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 problems there and the the fact that the the journey from A to B isn't going to be smooth and I don't think they sit down with them and and actually individually with a player well you know how are you going to handle this if we release you how how would you handle you know, this situation if you were benched for a, for a period of time and having some really, that's what, again, some difficult conversations there because essentially as a, as a sports psychologist, but a big part of your role, um, when we're talking about developmental toughness, developing resilience is identifying these hurdles these challenges, these obstacles that they're going to they're going to come across, and I suppose not just the release, but but even in games, you know, is the weather going to going to mean um, certainly up here in the northeast, you know, when it's blowing a gale, is it going to mean that for forty five minutes that you're going to be pin, penned in and you, you're not going to be able to get into the other team's half? Well, how are you going to respond to that type of situation? Um, all like all of this needs to be to be factored in and. You know, doing a the, the often I think what happens is a, a workshop will be done once a month um, by a by a sports psychologist to you know to twenty kids. Some of them will be disruptive, and um, you, you you can get into school teacher mode. Um, you know, more more needs to be done. Really, I suppose. I think what one club wolves apparently in their academy i think they've got about five or six sports psychologists who are involved um i think they they'll they they'll be getting it right um because there's going to be a lot more one-to-one -one conversations taking place and a lot more um i'm going to say a lot more conversations with coaches with snc with physio and the, the staff will actually the, the psychologists will feel part of the club i would i would imagine Whereas often as the case as a psychologist, you can feel like you're you're a bit you're a bit of an outsider in some ways, and you you, you I don't know, you don't feel necessarily included. Mm. I think that's because of the background. Again, you mentioned seven years study, and you know that there is almost a, a definitely in the UK. I feel there's a gap between the academic and the you know the expert. Or, or do you think that's because psychology is so difficult because you can't measure it you know so it, it does take a long time what, what, 
what do you, I guess, what, what do you think is the, the biggest disconnect? <laughs> it, it, I suppose, yeah, as a psychologist, you, you need to learn the lingo, the, well, the language in, in football, no doubt about it. And I, I know, actually, I remember um, doing some, some coach session, coach development sessions, one-to-one with, with a bunch of coaches. Um, and you say, I mean, you say you can't measure it, but, but I mean, essentially you can with a, with a psychometric. And I can remember going into um, these conversations with a set of coaches and pretty much every one of them said to us, like, I think I'm going to be wasting my time. Yes. In effect, um, I'm going to be sat down with you for an hour. What, what am I actually going to get from this? But, but, every single conversation I had afterwards was, wow, actually, yeah, that, that was good. Now I know myself better. I know my strengths. I know the, the traps that I fall into. Um, I know like individu- individually with, with some of the, um, the, the team that I coach, I can see where, why I don't necessarily click with that person. Um, so where am I going with this one? I think it's important for the psychologist to, to, to be able to educate the coaches and not just in a group setting, but actually on that one-to-one basis and probably help them with their development. The, the problem is though, um, and this one I've had a lot, if, you, if you're seen by the players to be quite close and poly with the coaches, then you've always got that question mark over trust. Will they then open up to you and have those, those deep and meaningful conversations um, possibly not because they're worried that you know you're going to then go back to the coach. But ultimately, our role is to be again the, any conversation really is to be confidential, and trust is such a, a huge thing in that. And again, I think that's again that causes a bit of a problem, isn't it? Because the the coach once you know knows that you're working with such and such a player, they want to find out what's going on in the conversation and. Um, and some, yeah, ideally it would all be an open book thing where everybody knows, but often, more often than not, that that is not the case because let's be honest, in football, soccer, fear cultures exist in, in most most places and um, the coach is picking the team ultimately and the player is, is only going to share them, the, you know, what they want to share with the coach. Uh, so, so, yeah. That's my rant. <laughs> uh, tricky dynamic. It, uh, I'm going to, last few, like I want to kind of move it towards now coach, uh, either mental toughness or, or mental skills or even just mental well-being for like, I uh, had a, done an interview last night uh, with Cody Royers doing a presentation for me about, about just uh, maximizing yourself as a coach and how a lot of coaches today are struggling, struggling with lifestyle. I think that, the pressure that the players are under um, is also, I think, as more money creeps into the game uh, and as more money goes down the game and as the rewards get bigger, coaches are are under the gun. I think, again, like Sky Sports, I, I have no doubt over the last three weeks, the Man United assistant coaches have been under more pressure than any other assistant coach. And, I, and obviously I'm biased as an assistant coach. I've never seen anything like assistant coaches being being actually put in the spotlight um and i almost think now we have a culture now of going after coaches and i think that's going to trickle down uh youth levels parents high schools people want to win tomorrow 
how can coaches today or what advice would you have for coaches that are like they're not at St. James's Park they're on a, a pitch where there's nobody watching the game but they feel that the weight of the world is on their shoulder so I suppose that you know the the guys in the the Mourinho's the the Klops the Guardiola's they're going to have people around them aren't they where they can offload um they, they can yeah have a have a good old moan and get it get it all out there. So that would be one thing I would say to a coach. Make sure you you know you've got a few people you can talk to because yeah it can be a, a lonely job to to say the least. Um, second thing and very you know really straightforward exercise for a coach to do would be on get a get a sheet of paper on the right hand side sorry on the left hand side write down you know what is under my control. On the right hand side, what is out of my control, and I don't think you can actually do that enough. In all honesty, you could do that literally um, every week. Um, you can come up with different situations and, and adapt that, and I think that can help you just wrestle the control back and not feel so overwhelmed and stressed. Such a just a simple little exercise they can do. Um, obviously, the, you know, the, it, it's all good and all good and well getting that out on paper. Um, out of your head, you need to then make a few changes and, and adapt your approach. Um, after that, um, and then we'll go with a what a third one. Have a look at mindfulness. I would say, um, which again, you, you wouldn't associate that with with mental toughness in in some respects. Actually, just. A little bit of silence and and being still with your with your thoughts because you know if, if you think about it from a coach's or a player's perspective, you you likely the likelihood is that you're you might be dwelling on we'll go with a coach obviously because that's what we're talking about. You could be dwelling on maybe decisions that you made in the last game, substitutions that you should have made that you didn't make, things like that. Um then so you're in the, you're, you're dwelling on the past or you could be flipped to the future thinking we've got three tough fixtures. Um, what am I going to be doing? And I think you can spend so much time just flipping between past and future that again, you, you wind yourself up um, where, where you feel like overly stressed and then you, you make, you find it difficult to, to, to make rational decisions. So mind, mindfulness is all grounded in staying in the present moment Um and there's yeah, there's so many different ways and techniques around that. But you know, if you if you integrated that in your day-to-day um day-to-day process, five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, um, I think that would have a you know a big impact on on your stress levels as a coach. Do you think we're gonna reach a stage where coaches need a a psychologist? Yeah, well, I think I think a lot do don't they but but yeah um at, even at a, at a lower level yeah I, I would say so and again i think this is one of the the problems as a psychologist where maybe it, it's a bit of a lack of education and understanding of the psychologist's role but um if i was going to sit down with a coach and they're going to um you know, tell me about the, the challenges, the difficulties that they're going through. I, I would guarantee that 
probably 80% of the time they're going to be doing the talking. I'm going to be asking, you know, a lot of questions and then really just trying to summarize a little bit of what's been said. And then towards the end of that period of time, I want to try and send them away on a, on a positive footing. But I think often the, the, the question mark over the psychologist might be, well, what's he going to say to such and such? What's he going to say? Um, but really, like what, I, what I'm looking to do is tease out of you, you know, what you already know and just sort of gently guide you. So again, uh, another little Another little tip there for coaches would be, you know, seek, have a good look at motivational interviewing. There's some great work done by Stephen Rolnick and his uh, and his colleagues. Um, that that in itself is a is a massive part of being a sports psychologist, and where I think, yeah, we certainly can help help coaches on that one to one basis. But again, they can help themselves. Yeah, that was my last question for you. Was going to be reading and and something where coaches can get a bit more. Like, where would you point them to get a bit more information about, you know, taking this an extra step? And maybe like, there's a lot of directors of coaches that listen to the podcast that that probably you might be driving the car thinking, yeah, like we, when all is said and done, do we do enough on the psych side of the game for the young players around the club? Um, uh, maybe maybe not, or we can improve it. What, what would be the next steps? So, so yeah, I mean, I've mentioned mindfulness. There's a there's a book recently come out from a guy called James Hegarty, uh, which has you know got some like really useful and simple exercises there on how that can be integrated into to sport. So, yeah, thanks, uh, Jim, for uh, plumping that book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I say, you've got Stephen Rolnick's work on motivational interviewing, and what I would say about the you know mental toughness development. Have a good look at uh, Peter Clough's work. There's he's got a there's a number of books out there about the development of mental toughness. I mean, you you alluded earlier to the fact that psychology can't be measured. Um, you know the argument I'm here. Am I wrong? <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> However, I mean, I've got, <laughs> yes, yeah, we're we're going to go off on a tangent here. <laughs> um, so so mental toughness can be measured. Okay. With a psychometric test, um, where these the four C's and some other measures there, you you can find out your own mental toughness. And hey, Gary, if you want to find out your own, I'll, I'll quite happily do this one with you. Yeah, definitely do. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're on. <laughs> I will do that. Um, so that 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 that's that, that that's one thing. The downside in this is, I've got to be honest. In a team environment, there's got to be a bit of a question mark on it because often the the players are potentially going to re, are going to be looking at that, thinking, "Well, what is the what does the coach want to hear and see?" So that's where the downside is. But certainly from a coach development tool, um, I think it, it it can be great. Um, potentially, you know, I suppose as a team development tool, it could be if you just anonymize the the players. Um, and then you you might get some some more, some better responses. Um, so so yeah, hope that's hope that's of some use. Fantastic, brilliant, David. <laughs> top class, top class. Um, you asked me at the end, and I'll ask you the same. How can people you know get in touch here? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram under 
<laughs> got me thinking here. Yeah, mental toughness matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, Twitter at D Charlton Sport. And yeah, I've got a podcast called uh, the Demystifying Mental Toughness Podcast, uh, where you can you can hear more about mental toughness and again what what it is and what it's not and and what have you. So yeah, I really appreciate you inviting me on, Gary. I've, I've really enjoyed it. No, brilliant, brilliant. We'll have to do it again now. We'll have to get a, a topic or something, get you on to discuss it. I'm I'm sure over the next year there'll be a there'll be a good Sky Sports topic we can jump on. <laughs> well, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Keen and Jimmy Carragher's conversations. <laughs> oh, fantastic, David! Thank you so much. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernin on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.